This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Maureen's Health Headline. Right now, I've invited none other than the esteemed Dr. John Weisler. He is a cardiologist. Uh, He's on the line, and we're going to talk about uh, a study that has come out around uh, the symptoms that women have when they present to the emergency department around whether when they're experiencing a heart attack are they the typical ones also want to talk to him first about uh, the presidential candidate Bernie Sanders who suffered a heart attack he had two stents put in I believe this week for chest pain and um, the Calgary ordinance and is there going to be an impact on emergency rooms there is snow shoveling heart attack uh, work and uh, why so Dr. John Weisler thanks for joining me on the line uh, thanks for having me, Maureen. Great to be here, as always. Okay, we've got a lot to talk about, so we're going to talk about it now, and then we'll probably go sure. to a little break, and I'll ask you to hang on the line. So let's start with sure. dear old Bernie Sanders down in the United States of America, my home country. <laughs> uh, he suffered a heart attack this week. He had two stents inserted, and he says he's going to get back on the campaign trail. What do you think of that? <clears throat> well, he's he's got to be pretty tough. I mean, uh, it sounds like he did pretty well. With his heart attack, he um, identified his chest pain quickly. He got prompt medical attention, um, but he did need two stents. And then his other arteries, his um, his team has mentioned that his other arteries were free from disease, so he doesn't need any more stents. Uh, so, I mean, we, we don't know much more than that, but probably the um, you know a heart attack. One measure of like severity is how much your heart muscle is damaged, and we don't know, but we could guess the damage probably isn't bad if he got out of hospital pretty quickly. I think it was about two days. Um, but you should, um, you know, take it easy a little bit after a heart attack. I mean, this was still a, a serious event. And, you know, um, usually people will be on more medications leaving hospital. And even if they're not having chest pain and doing well, you're usually tired, Marine, for a few weeks, you know, and you need that time to rest, uh, take it easy, look over your health and see if there's risk factors you could control better. So there's certainly an adjustment phase. And I, I think going back on the campaign trail, obviously, he's going to want to do that. But you know, he probably needs a bit of time off first, you know, to I, I would sort of tell for a milder heart attack, you know, for, for later jobs, I'd say sort of stay off two to three weeks. And then for a more strenuous job, like, you know, running for the nomination for your party and then president, you know, four to six weeks would be a better time to recover. And of course, he's probably not going to want to do that. It's a it's a there's no right answer, but probably um, going going back fast is maybe not in his best interest for sure. Right. And just staying in the hospital will have a negative impact on somebody's energy level. So two nights in a hospital, uh, in a hospital bed, which he probably spent most of his time in the bed, will weaken a person. It does. Yeah, it, it does. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he's, he's you know, he's, I think he's 78. I think um, being on the campaign, you're up and walking around maybe more than a lot of 78-year-olds. But, but you're right. You know, you get, you, I call it deconditioning. Your muscles aren't as strong. You get tired. You usually don't sleep as well in, right. in the hospital either, right, because there's noises and there's monitoring and other patients that are sick. So uh, hard and, and blood tests at all hours. So hard, hard to sleep well. So you're usually pretty tired when you get out, for sure. Exactly. And that happens rapidly. I, uh, four years ago, knock on wood, I was hospitalized for a kidney stone, and I was in the special care observation unit. So in between the floor and the ICU. I thought they were putting me there because they knew me and they were doing me a special favor. Mm-hmm. I actually said, don't give, do me any special favors. Treat me like everybody else. They said, no, you're really sick. I was hypoxic, hypotensive. And so I ended up in there, and that was eight nights that I spent in there. And honestly, it took me a month to recover. I am no Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders. That's all I <laughs> 
<laughs> I can say. Um, so I don't know how he's doing it at 78 years of age. So anyway, well, we, but we wish him luck. We wish him a speedy recovery and, um, and certainly hope him or somebody else <laughs> or one of those Democrats actually takes over. But anyway, we'll see. Um, this was not meant to be political. But speaking of politics, there's a new ordinance set out in Calgary where they are going to be fining people if they don't shovel the pathway in front of their homes. And so snow shoveling is not the best exercise, especially for people who are sedentary. Would you agree with that? Yep, it's pretty it's pretty strenuous if you're not used to keeping in shape, you know, you've got a a large driveway and you know, outside of the west coast where we live, uh, you know, Calgary, it gets a lot of snow for half the year and um so you you're shoveling, so you're using a lot of aerobic activity. Usually you're wearing um like a warm parker or something to keep yourself warm, which puts a further strain on your heart because you're sweating and you're exerting yourself. And then um, the cold air can be hard on your heart as well. It makes our arteries constrict a little bit. So if you have angina, the cold will make it worse. And then finally, a lot of people will do their shoveling first thing in the morning when our blood pressure is higher and the risk of you know, a heart attack is a little bit higher in the morning than at other times in the day for, for that reason. So, you know, for, for sure, it could put, the, put, put some people at risk that maybe have pre-existing heart disease or don't know they have it. And now the city of Vancouver has the same ordinance. And um, I'm just curious, has anybody ever looked at or is there any literature um, on whether there have been increased um, visits to the emergency department or doctor's offices during snowstorms? <laughs> is that a study right. somebody wants to do? It'd be an interesting study. I, I haven't seen it for Vancouver, but I guess maybe we don't get enough snow. But um, I, I trained in Ontario Marine, and we did have uh, some anecdotal, both, both anecdotal data and some uh, statistics, seasonal trends that the incidence of you know a heart attack or myocard- myocardial infarction, as we call them, uh, in medical medical terms, um, it is a little bit more likely uh, in the winter months versus the summer. And the cold weather and snow is is believed to be part of that reason. It hasn't been that like precisely correlated, but there are some data to support that. Right. And of course, if you're type A um, and you're cheap, <laughs> you don't want to pay for a snowplow <laughs> to come mm-hmm. and do it for you because they're, they're not that expensive. Uh, I'm originally from Boston and I know um, the cost of that. Uh, so it's not too bad. And, um, you know, with type A personality, uh, somebody who's got to do everything themselves, they can't hire, they just can't part with the money um, kind of a person, um, or somebody who has gone out in a rage, they're probably also at a an ele- more elevated risk of a myocardial infarction or a heart attack. Yep, those, those people have the increased risk for sure. And it used to be uh, thought to be a really big risk factor, and maybe now it's not as important as things like cholesterol and blood pressure. But there's still a predisposition to the type A personality. There's certainly, there's certainly some truth to that. Uh, I should mention, too, Calgary has a program uh, called Snow Angels where they try to encourage people who are healthy to sort of volunteer for people who have more medical right. issues. But it's um, so so to try and get around that that ordinance. But um, you know, for people that might be at risk. But of course, you know, it's it's a volunteer, totally volunteer basis, and it's not coordinated. And then you know, with with heart disease, sometimes you may not know that you have right know that you have it. So it's not going to be a, a perfect solution. That's right, exactly. And no, you bring up a great point because there are a lot of people who don't are not able to come out of their homes, especially in the winter time, especially during a storm or, you know, so it's always good to reach out and help somebody offer your uh, services or some food, a cup of tea, 
you know, check on their heat, that kind of thing. So we need to do a little bit more of that because especially seniors can be so lonely and in particular, even more lonely um, during snowstorms or times when they are shut in a little bit more. Well, thank you, Dr. Weisler, for this part. We're talking heart health. In 2012, Rosie O'Donnell had a heart attack or what she called uh, what is termed a widowmaker heart attack. She coined the acronym H-E-P-P-P, which stands for Hot, Exhausted, Pain, Pale, Puke, to remind people of the symptoms of a heart attack in women. Heart attacks are the number one, or cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women, more than all cancers combined. There's a new study that's been put out by the British Health Foundation that debunks that myth that women present differently. Dr. John Weisler is on the line, and we're going to be talking about the typical heart attack symptoms that women experience. Thanks for staying on the line, Dr. Weisler. Well, thanks for having me, uh, Maureen. Um, great to be here. And this is a really interesting study because um, it, it kind of changes our like our conceptions of how men and women will present with heart disease. So the classic teaching or opinion, both to doctors and in public information, you know, services and, and information for the public has been that men are more likely to have the typical crushing or squeezing chest pain or tightness when they have a heart attack. Women are more likely to get different or what we call atypical symptoms. So like Rosie O'Donnell, like uh, like uh, nausea, uh, sweating, uh, being out of breath. And th- this this new trial is, you know, suggests differently. It, it suggests that men and women basically are very similar and they present with the same symptoms, mostly chest pain or, or chest tightness or chest pressure, but sort of lumping those together. But it's mostly like squeezing retrosternal chest pain for, for both genders. Right. And, and- this is um, this was related to or thought to be why women receive unequal care because they present differently, um, especially their heart attack symptoms, and oftentimes it's thought to be in their head or that it's an emotional um, disease or that women don't have heart attacks. People don't realize it's the number one killer of women as well. Um, so this debunks that. That's right. So that was the sort of traditional opinion, and then. The, one of the reasons that you know it maybe explains why this new trial is different. Older trials were done retrospectively, so people were in hospital, they had their heart attack, and then you know researchers would ask men and women afterwards, you know, what did you feel and what symptoms did you have? And well, that's it's not a bad way to start looking at you know people's symptoms, but um, it's subject to bias. So you know people may remember differently, or the investigator, if they already have a preconceived notion. Um, you know, where they think that women have less typical symptoms, they may inadvertently or unintentionally, you know, code people's answers differently. So it suggests that it, it sort of supports their preconceived notions, so sort of a selection bias, if you will. So this more recent trial, it was done in Scotland, um, and it was done as part of a really big trial uh, looking at the use of um, troponin testing, which is a type of blood test that we that we use to diagnose heart attack in the emergency room. And so they did this trial prospectively. So people came in with what might be heart disease and they were interviewed right away. They had their blood tests drawn and then um, they were interviewed right away for their symptoms. And it showed that the symptoms in both groups, you know, typical symptoms were present in about 90% of both men and women who had um, heart disease. And the, the most common would be like a chest tightness or chest pressure. And so it was common common for both genders. Um, women were a little bit more likely to report 
more symptoms than that. So men would mostly focus on the chest pain or pressure. Women would, you know, also throw in some trouble breathing, some, um, you know, some sweating. So they had a bit more symptoms, but chest tightness was still their number one, um, you know, complaint and their most common symptom. So it's important to recognize these symptoms. And, you know, also when, when you have a woman presenting with chest pain, you know, to consider heart disease as one of the causes. Absolutely. And more women, it's my understanding, had pain that radiated to their jaw or back. And women were also, as you mentioned, more likely to experience nausea in addition to the chest pain. So 33% versus 19%. So we know that as a, a symptom of a heart attack, but we do associate that with men, that radiating pain to the jaw uh, or to the back. But we see that happens even more in women, according to this study. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And the, the strength of this study is that it um, it had a lot of patients. It had over 2,000 and uh, about 40% were women, which still less than the 50% that women make up the population, but it's better. It's better than old, older studies, which are heavily weighted for men. Some, some of them are 80% men. And then it was done because it was done prospectively. Um, it eliminates a lot of sources of bias that the older data may have had. Absolutely. I'm going to have to have you back to talk further about this and um, and what further research is needed, Dr. Weisler. We're up against the clock heading toward the news, but thank you so much for making some sense out of this. Thank you, Maureen. Thanks for having me. For you live from the downtown studios of Chorus Radio in your downtown. And so we're talking uh, right now about urban polling or Nordic walking is it as it's is its generic name and Mandy Shantini joins me in the studio. And so I wanted to do a little Facebook live because why? I'm not really sure. <laughs> because we have to demonstrate this, okay? We have to demonstrate um, demonstrate how the urban poll Ling, and it's not polling like you're thinking, like I'm not campaigning or I haven't been campaigning or, you know, we're not pole dancing either. That's not the other thing. Um, but I want to talk about this because it's a great exercise and I started doing it about a month ago when Mandy Shantini, who is in the studio right here, um, uh, introduced me to this great exercise and I just love it. So Mandy, just tell the listeners a little bit about urban polling. Sure. It basically, as you mentioned, the generic name is Nordic walking. It became really popularized over in Sweden. And basically what it is, is that your upper body is doing a technique with some similarities to cross-country skiing. That's why there's so many health benefits. You know, cross-country skiing is considered to be one of the best cardiovascular activities that is out there. But your lower body, you're just walking. So it's a, an activity that you can do anywhere, sidewalks, roads, um, city trails, parks, and you can hike with them as well. Yes, you can. And I've added this urban polling to my exercise regime, which typically was swimming before mm-hmm. and uh, hiking. Um, and you know, I play a bit of tennis, uh, not so much. But um, yeah, so I started doing this instead of just boring walking without moving my arms you know, and I used to judge people, and I was on the Jill Bennett show this morning, and she judged people too, but she got some urban polls for Christmas, and she does it now as well. And so I think this is a really great thing for people in Calgary. Mandy, what do you think for people who might have to shovel their driveways or in Vancouver for the snow and get a fine? So, And, they, and also they're at greater risk of heart attack, as we were listening to Dr. John mm-hmm. Weisler. So do you think, what is so great about building up? I think it's a perfect activity because 
it's not high intensity. I mean, you can make it high intensity, but you can really work into the activity. Um, of course, you're going to get a better workout compared to walking. You burn 20 to 46% more cal- calories. You get 25% more of a cardiovascular activity, but it's low impact. You know, you can you can go as fast or as slow as you want. I mean, one of the things I would say is that I find when people are initially doing it, people get really excited and they tend to overdo it. Uh, and then people are really surprised by how tired they are. Like, it's, it's such a fantastic workout. So I just I remind people that, you know, you still want to go about 30% of your maximum walking tolerance to start off because you are using so many muscles that you haven't used before. But absolutely, I think it's a great way to condition. You can do it all year round. And it's kind of... It's more than just walking. Like a lot of people feel like walking isn't enough, but then it doesn't have that high perceived exertion that is in jogging. It's kind of in between those two areas. So a lot of people feel like it's just a really pleasurable activity to do. Absolutely. You know, a friend of mine, when I was telling her about this, she did the Camino, uh, 596 kilometers on the Camino with the poles. Let's show people the poles. Do you have some over there? Absolutely. Okay, I can hand you these. I have some. I have hot pink ones. (laughs) Or you have yours. Okay, here come the poles, everybody. And so here they are. Can you see them? Okay, so there is a right and a left pole. And basically, the main thing is that you want to make sure that the ledge um, faces outward because that's really where you're going to rest your hand. That's where you're going to get your core strengthening, the offloading, and the weight bearing onto the pole. And for those people who cannot see on Facebook Live right now what these poles look like, they they look like cross-country ski poles or or downhill ski poles even, a little bit more like cross-country ski poles. So that's what we're looking at. Um, I'll go ahead, carry on. Yeah, and so the difference is, is that a lot of those will have a strap that you put your hand through. One of the, thing, the unique things that we developed here in North Vancouver is that it, just, it comes with an ergonomic handle with a ledge rather than the strap. So um, I like the, that. The first thing that you're going to want to do, what we always tell people, is just walk with the poles and just drag them. Pretend the poles aren't even in your hands. Just walk like you normally would. And when you do that, you achieve three different things. First of all, the pole naturally goes into a diagonal position. Uh, your arm stays straight because you want your elbow to be uh, to be quite to be straight. You're going to get more core strengthening if your elbow is kept straight. And if you just pretend you don't have the poles in your hands, you're automatically going to do a movement of opposite arm and leg. And that's one of the things that's so neat about the activity is that it's actually just mimicking the same way that you walk. But now you've just added on poles to get that upper body workout. Right. And you're putting some pressure on the ground as well, correct? Do you want to show Absolutely, for sure. Let's just so, see who's listening there. Okay. <laughs> Watching and listening. Yeah. So absolutely. So just have the poles in your hands. Can you just see walk her? The way that you okay. normally would. Yeah. Which is opposite arm and leg. And when your hand gets out, you're kind of walk. You're walking with your arm straight. Yeah. And when your hand gets out into a friendly handshake position, you're actually pressing down on that ledge, and that's how you get the workout. Excellent. And I've been doing this 
And, uh, and so you're, you've got, you're walking like you normally would be walking. You're holding the poles and you're, you've got your arm straight out and back and you're pressing down. Absolutely. And you're walking at whatever pace you want. You want to start maybe, I started at about 20 minutes. I'm now up to about an hour. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I think the main thing is just to really progress the activity gradually. Right. And, you know, sometimes people will go out for longer periods because they want to go on a really nice walk. And you can kind of, you know, if you're just starting off too, the less you, if you want to, you can either press more or less onto the ledge and that can increase the intensity or lower the intensity of the workout. Right. And, uh, you know, I feel that my upper arms are a bit stronger. I'm swimming a bit better. Um, because I'm doing more crawl in the ocean. And so I think that equates to building up some muscles in my um, upper arms. So, you know, I've, I've loved it. And it does give you more of a workout. You sweat more, which is always good when you're working out. I'm not a big sweater, <laughs> but it is sweater weather. <laughs> So you might want to wear a sweater. <laughs> it's sweater weather. So um, anyway, we're going to sign off from Facebook right now. But Mandy Shantini, where can um, the Facebook listeners um, uh-huh. pick up some Urban Pulls? Oh, absolutely. If you um, go on our website, urbanpulling.com, there is actually a place where you can uh called go to a retailer so we have about 500 retailers right across the country uh you can get it online as well okay that's fantastic thank you mandy okay we're gonna cut out this facebook live thing now and uh then we will go back to the radio so tune into the radio and thanks for listening and watching everybody okay so um, this is great, and I f- so believe in them that I actually want to, um, I know last time you were so generous and you gave out a pair, but I would like to give out a pair. For somebody who's living in Calgary, I want uh, you to get a little healthier. Uh, so give us a call, one 399 I'd like to give uh, some to a, a winner uh, in Calgary. Don't be like a winner, but anyway... <laughs> You can win, um, especially if you want to get in good shape. These are fantastic. So I would like to buy some from your company and send them out. And this is a toll-free call, one 399 Urban Poles, they are fantastic. They'll certainly help you with um, cardiovascular health and getting into good shape. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it just beefs up your walking exercise. If you're a walker and you want to take it to the next level, um, that is fantastic. Um, so we'll have somebody, I'm sure, who will be calling in. We're going to take the fifth caller. And, um, yeah, so, Mandy, I'd like you to stay in the studio because um, I do have a few more questions to ask you with regard to there's so much information out there these days in terms of prevention of dementia, modifiable mm-hmm. risks, um, cardiovascular health, how great exercise is for you. You know, and there are so many people that are sedentary, they stay on the couch, they can't get motivated mm-hmm. to get out there and do any activity, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's more and more we are finding that um, uh, that exercise is actually the fountain of youth. You might think it's your fabulous moisturizer that you've picked up, but it's not, in fact. Um, Do we have a winner there, Andrew? Anyway, it's probably not going to put them on. So the phone's ringing off the hook. Um, Yeah, somebody called in? Okay, fantastic. Um, Okay, fantastic. Judy from Calgary won the... Excellent. um, Yes. so I'll just let Judy know, too, that if she wants to uh, go on okay, our website. she's going to be on our li- oh. on the line. Hang on. Okay, Judy, would love to talk to you. Hi. Hi, Judy. 
I'm so excited. You made my whole year. Oh, I'm so happy. That's so nice. I typically don't make somebody's whole year, maybe whole minute. I've had such an awful year, and I just wanted those so badly. Oh, I'm so happy. From my armpits to yours. Oh, I'm giving you a big hug. A great big hug. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And so what is your intention with them? Aside? Well, I walk every day. Do you? And in the wintertime, it's very, very difficult because we get so much ice. Oh. And this will be ideal for me. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I love you yeah. so much. Thank you. Oh, Aww. that's so sweet of you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. Oh, you're so welcome. We'll enjoy them. And, I will. Yeah, and don't forget to hang on the line in your excitement so you can give your information to Thank Andrew. You. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Good luck. Enjoy. You'll love them. I love mine. Ask her if she'd like a hot pink pair. Anyway, um, okay, we're going to stay in the studio, if you don't mind, Mandy, because I want to talk a little bit more about exercise and how these polls can be beneficial. Uh, Okay, so I like exercise, I have to admit. I like exercising outdoors. I, um, versus the gym. Occasionally I will go into a gym, um, but it's not my preference. Uh, and so I just like to get outside and, um, and exercise. And I think it's really important. And I think it's part of, you know, your daily grind, actually, uh, get it over with in the morning, like some other things, perhaps when testosterone levels are high, but we'll talk about that later on in the program. Um, regular aerobic exercise may slow progression to Alzheimer's disease. Um, for those most at risk, and we were talking about that a little bit later on in the program, there is also some modifiable, there are about seven modifiable uh, risks, factors that you can do to um, uh, that are associated with ideal cardiovascular health at the age of 50 um, that you can do, and you can turn these things around through exercise. So Mandy Shantini has decided to stay with me in the studio and talk about um, this, the benefits of exercise and the benefits in particular of urban polling. It's a complete exercise. Mandy, thanks so much for joining me. So tell me about some of the health benefits of urban polling. Well, what's been really interesting over the years is the, is that we have been seen that the urban polling has been used for almost all conditions, whether it's uh, diabetes, cardiac rehab, uh, you know, 14% better outcomes for cardiac rehab compared to just regular rehab alone. It's used a lot for pre and post hip and knee surgery. We had talked last week about, you know, breast cancer survivors that need for more um shoulder endurance and flexibility after radiation and surgery. Um, it really touches on so many components. It's such a simple concept, and yet there's so many health benefits. 270 actually um, independent research studies found on PubMed alone. Is that right? And so is this something that physicians are, um, are offering to their patients? They, they definitely are. We've seen a lot of changes over the years, and we find that more and more healthcare professionals, I'm a therapist by background, we're finding a lot of physiotherapists are recommending it, a lot of doctors. We were partners with exercise with is medicine, so that whole idea, just we really talking about, Maureen, that uh, exercise is such a key component to overall health. Okay. I have Robert on the line from Surrey. Hello, Robert. Hello. How are you this evening? Not, not too bad. How about yourself? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, yes, I was just wondering, I'm six foot six, and I was wondering, are, are the poles adjustable? Uh, absolutely. We have, uh, the poles are adjustable 
uh, we have uh, several different types, but we have a new one that just came out, particularly for people who are tall like yourself. It's called the Activator 2. So if you go to our website, urbanpolling.com, uh, you'll find that uh, you can find a poll there for someone who's as tall as you are. Uh, thank you so much. That's a great question, actually, um, whether it is adjustable. So I, I, I two six foot six. Um, so yes, yeah, so it is adjustable for uh, the tall people. I didn't know that. I knew that I could probably get you a date because your income's probably higher. <laughs> the more inches you have, apparently, according to research. All right. But uh, so we're back to the urban polling. Um, uh, back to urban polling and some of the other benefits. So post-operatively, one thing, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting people up much sooner after surgery to prevent blood clots. Um, is this the kind of thing that you might we might see in hospitals one day to help people because falls and fractures are such a big issue, especially for people who have urinary incontinence or leak urine because they may also have depression? Absolutely. Like we actually, you know, here in North Vancouver, I'm really proud that we actually took another type of, or we developed another type of poll called the activator poll. And so that one is one that is being used as an effective option to canes and to reduce or delay the use of walkers. Because of what we talked about earlier, the fact that there's more exertion, there's more of a cardiovascular workout, and a lot of rehab is really moving to being less passive and more active. And what we're finding is that a lot of surgeons um, and rehab specialists are recommending poles instead of those other devices. So we're seeing a real change happening in the rehab field. And, you know, a cane is probably not nearly as safe to use. And there's a greater risk of falls and fractures, I would imagine, with using a cane than using two poles that you're hanging on to. Absolutely, because you've got that bilateral support compared to the unilateral support of a cane. The other thing with the cane is you're pressing down on your wrist in a hyperextended position, which actually is the greatest amount of stress on your wrist joint. Right. So the other benefit of, of using the poles too is that you can put a lot of weight on it, but your wrist is now in a neutral position. Exactly. And a lot of people don't want to go to a cane or a walker. And so this promotes dignity uh, using the poles. Um, of course, when they see this expert out there on the trails using poles, it all of a sudden becomes a trend. <laughs> <laughs> it's sexy to use poles. Absolutely. Uh, in the right way. But, you know, a lot of a lot of people, I hear that from a lot of women, older women in my clinical practice, and they'll say they don't want to use a, a walker. For sure. We have had, what was really interesting to me is that's probably been the most frequent observation that people have made, is that they feel like they're an athlete when they're u- utilizing the poles, right. that they feel very energized, and that they realize that, you know, it's not just about having a device for stability, it's it's about exercising still. So that has been one of the outcomes that I wasn't expecting and which has been really rewarding to hear from people. It's fantastic. I had a patient one time and she said, she was advancing in age and she said, um, you know, I am I don't want to use a cane. I'm too vain for a cane. And uh, But polls are such a great option, the urban polling. Mandy Shantini, thank you so much. Um, for joining me tonight and demonstrating uh, for Facebook Live anyway um, how to use these polls and I'm delighted with mine so thank you very much Um, I use them all the time I never go out now walking without my polls 
Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, that's great to yeah, hear. Great. And where, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed being here. Oh, you're welcome. And where can people pick up some polls? Oh, okay. Online? Absolutely. Yeah. Just go online at urbanpolling.com or they can click on find a retailer there as well. So you communicate with, without speaking. You know in your gut that you found the one. The chemistry is palpable. You're totally comfortable around each other. But the relationship isn't all rainbows and butterflies. Every now and again... He, they challenge you like nobody else can. Soulmate? Are soulmates real? Joining me on the line to help us sift through all of this is Nancy Ruth Dean. She's a breakup coach. Hello, Nancy. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for joining me. Appreciate it. You got it. So I was talking about this today so to a few single friends, and they were was talking about... Uh, uh, actually, a talk that I'm giving uh, in a couple of weeks on October 19th at the Playhouse Theater. Get a little plug there. Um, the, the Get Inspired Talks. And so I was saying, you know, some of my advice is marry the right one. And they said, how do you know when you found the right one? So that begs the question, are soulmates real? Can somebody expect to find their soulmate out there? So I've got just so many thoughts on this. The first thing that comes up when single people, as you know, I used to work in matchmaking, when this conversation comes up, one of the things that I see first is asking about soulmates, but from the ego standpoint. So going on dates and expecting to feel those sensations, feel really good, feel like you've really met the one And that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody you are meeting for the first time. So whenever I think of soulmates, I just happen to think, you know, are you using that as a way to push people away after a first date? Interesting. I usually say to people, just go out with them. You don't have to marry them for crying out loud. Yeah. (laughs) Just practice. Exactly. I think um, for me, you know, I'm a really spiritual uh, person. Um, and I do think that there, if we let it, there is somebody out there for all of us. But I'm just not sure with the way things are going in 2019, if we can really kind of tap into that inner wisdom that we all have within us. It's difficult in this day and age, in part because people are chronically busy. There's very little time to reflect in life. There's so much addiction to smartphones and computers and iPads and uh, I mean you can stand around in a group and everybody is on their phone nobody's talking to one another there may be lots of lost opportunity in this world definitely personally speaking I see people and I'm guilty of this too but I'll go out with my partner and sometimes I'm on my phone and sometimes I am looking around and people are on their phones and it's absolutely 100% true. People are more tuned into their phones than they are to kind of just enjoying the moment and seeing what can flourish from that experience. Uh, yeah, oftentimes missing out on a lot of, of what life has to offer. Um, so what are some of the things that you would say, maybe soulmate isn't the right term, but um, or the one, um, but, you know, I see so much of um, so many marriages where people have married the wrong one. Uh, they grew and their partner didn't. They changed and their partner didn't. You know, um, their their tastes changed perhaps, or, you know, they're just not happy themselves and they can't offer anything to the relationship. So I see a whole host of, of things. But in your mind, 
um, as a, I guess I'm tapping into your spiritual side as well as your former matchmaking and your, your breakup, all, all three, little threesome there, mm-hmm. um, combining all of that, what is it that would make a relationship great and comfortable and somebody would know this is, this is it? Ooh, okay. So, okay, firstly, I'm really compelled to answer the whole, you know, marry the right one, you know, did we pick the wrong person? And I just want to address that I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be, um, you know, be with things that we know what we know um, at you know, 20 something to stay with them forever, um, 30 something, or even post um, divorce, I think people are experiencing different outlets. And to just give ourselves a lot of TLC and compassion for what we're going through, and that we don't have to stick to traditional ways of getting married or dating, and then you have to just date the same person for the rest of your life. They're like times are changing. So I just wanted to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, But as far as the question was, you know, how do we really know if we've met the one or what are some tips to finding that person? Yeah. How how would somebody feel like, you know, um, and, and, you know, life is not a bowl of cherries every single day. Uh, People are going to have ups and downs and troubles. And but but to me, this is something that you that you feel it's a comfort. It's a vulnerability, um, a sense of calm. Yes. I love that you said vulnerability. I think that is a very it's a secret sauce it should be something that you know we're all working towards but it is kind of a secret sauce that is what helps you find that soulmate but it's also people will often say you know I had butterflies or I just never felt this way before on a date and then three weeks later it it doesn't go anywhere the way that I see it and what I've experienced with my partner, who knows where the road will take us. Things are going great. And that's all that matters. Um, but it's more this sense of peace and naturalness is the best way that I can describe it. Do you agree with that? I do. I think, um, certainly, um, feeling secure with somebody, if that makes any sense, feeling safe with somebody I think is important. Um, but also separate identities, is very beneficial as well because you don't want to always be on the same page, always doing the same thing, have exactly the same interests, need to shake Mm -hmm. it up a little bit. But you face the world as one. Uh, So you face your issues, your joys, your disappointments as one. Yes, and being willing to, to handle things as they come up instead of creating some sort of checklist or go to problem solving um, sheet that you're going to refer to in the future. I think it really just comes down to, are you willing to choose each other every day that you wake up? Are you willing to choose to uh, handle things as, as they come up instead of um, trying to to, get, to convince somebody to see it your way and to just add fuel to the fire? I don't think that works. Right. And, you know, it's funny because I, I hear this a lot, too. And, and recently I, I was having a pedicure <laughs> and the the woman said, um, actually, my my friend sent me to her and she was insisting, go to her, go to this person, go and have it done there. So I did. And and so I, I was sent to her, quite frankly, <laughs> by my friend. And so all of a sudden, you know, uh, she starts and then she starts in with that. 
you know, she has a boyfriend and she loves him, loves him, loves him, but she doesn't like to have sex with him, which is what I see in my clinical practice practically every single day. And uh, he was quite a bit younger than she was. He was about 24 and she was 32, um, which shouldn't matter. But she loved him and he loved her. And but the intimacy was lacking, but it was her lacking as I probed further and, you know, having my pedicure done, um, <laughs> doing an assessment, sexual health assessment, as I probed further, it was vulnerability that she had a problem with. Like she couldn't be, she was uncomfortable uh, being sexual. She was uncomfortable with intimacy. It wasn't just him. It was other boyfriends as well. Do you, en- do you encounter that in, uh, or how much, do put, how much do people put on that as they're looking to meet somebody? I see them. I see them later. So, yes, this is such an important topic. Um, I believe that it's popular consensus to say that the lack of sex in a relationship is is a symptom of a bigger issue in the relationship. And I think there's a lot more to that. I think exactly what you said. We need to be really comfortable with ourselves and have that self-love. I know some people aren't super into to that term, but I think being comfortable with yourself first and really turning inward to see what's going on with you specifically before you jump to the conclusion that it is about the relationship. I think that's so important. But I think self-love, you bring up a great point. Self-love is critical. And I see a lot of patients in my clinical practice who lack that self-love. They may even demonstrate to the world this bravado, uh, but what they feel on the inside is a, a lower sense of themselves. They, they don't believe in themselves. They um, you know, are always questioning things. They're wanting approval. And so there's a big gap between how they feel about themselves and how they present to the world. And I think that relates to that self-love, which I think is critical because it's difficult to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't love themselves. Yes. And I believe that's really important as well. I think it's incredibly important. And I don't know if this is ironic or this is maybe, you know, a positive or a step forward in the right direction, but... Right now, like 2019, now is the time where we can actually learn about what self-love is. I don't think generations before had this much information or this much opportunity and support to experience that. But at the same time, with the way the landscape of 2019, with technology, with Instagram, with getting the best job, the highest paying job, that is really in conflict with trying to find inner peace and self-love. So it's really, it's, yeah, it's tough. It really is. What would be your advice to somebody who doesn't feel great about themselves, lacks that self-love? What's a way to find that, if you will, (laughs) if it's possible? I, I think the most important thing when it comes to wanting to make a shift, number one is to decide that you don't want to feel this way anymore, that you want to, feel differently you you must decide that this is what you want to do from now on and to know that today is a great day to do that and every day is a new day to continue to reinforce new habits about yourself and one of them can be you know for the ladies I'm you know even though I'm working with a lot of men um, I'm not sure how much men are really into mantras or affirmations but to say 
what it is that you would like to change. If that's um, you want to develop more self-love, but you're not sure what that entails, you can say an affirmation like, um, you know, I love my body. I love the person that I am. Something really positive about yourself, even if you might not be there, but that is something you want to work towards. Um, to say affirmations or to even just know that you don't need to be someone else to be loved. You just need to know that exactly who you are is exactly is exactly the right person you get to show up as. Wait, Nancy Ruth Dean is the breakup coach. Her, she does tremendous work. She also has a background in matchmaking. Um, and you can find her on thebreakupcoach.com. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.